Morning, and welcome to All Shores. My name's EJ Wood, and with me is Thad Spring. And what a day this is gonna be, Thad. Oh, we're so excited. It's our soup herbal Sunday, and we've got a great service planned, EJ. Uh, we're gonna have a great time of worship together coming up. We've got baptisms today at both of our campuses and uh, a great message following this year's football season. You'll want to stick around for that. Plus, we have soup and chili following each of our services today in both Spring Lake and Muskegon. Yeah, that as you know, we couldn't do this service or any service without our teams at All Shores. Each week, they get ready, and especially today, our hospitality team meets each week before service. They huddle together each week to prepare to greet everyone and to guide our guests through the service. Not only does our hospitality team get ready each week, but they are confident today going into the service. There is so much to celebrate today, and we're celebrating that you're here with us as part of our service. Please join us now for worship, and we'll be back with you in the hour. Yeah. 
journey to get up here. Hey, let me invite you to just have a seat for a minute. I love even just in the context of us worshiping and fixing our eyes on him that we're about to celebrate baptism, that we have kind of gone from just doing it once a year here, that when people are asking about it, we're trying to do it more often, have it be more of a rhythm of what's going on in the life of the church. And uh, we have one in this service, we have five overall in the, the two campuses today. And I want to first give us a picture, kind of what this is and what it means. We call this a sacrament. It's something Jesus instilled in the church, something we believe is part of us. And the very image is one for us, anyone who follows Jesus and anyone who may want to, that the idea of us going beneath the water, as we do in baptism, you go down below, it's an image of going down to the depth of our brokenness and our sin, that Jesus came to be there with us in it, and his actual death pays for that sin, and then he rises and gives us his spirit, and we come out with new life. We go down into the depths of our brokenness, we come out in new life. That's the image of baptism. I also want to remind you that not only do you kind of engage in those we celebrate today, you engage if you've been baptized, if you are a follower of Jesus, you're engaging in the reminder of your own, but it is also an image of how we're to live, that we live and love people around us and we meet them in the depth of their life and struggle and love them in it, and with Christ's help, help them discover new life too. That's the picture of how we actually live, and so we love both of what that is, and we're going to celebrate it in a minute, and uh, I just wanted to, so Kristen is getting baptized in our service, and this is what she said about her own. She said, I was raised uh, in the Lutheran church and have always had a faith, I've always believed, but never really made the decision to make God the center of my life. She said, there was a foundation here that has been, but for most of my life, it was dormant. I love how she describes it. Witnessing really my husband's transformation in Christ was inspiring and awakened me really to my own faith. And that's what she is stepping into today. And we're celebrating that with her. And so in just a minute, I'll invite you to stand. We're going to get to participate and we're going to sing and worship as she's baptized. That it's a picture of how all of heaven rejoices every time someone responds and is part of Jesus' family. And so that's what we're celebrating today. And we'll worship over her in a sense with the Lord, worshiping him. Let's stand together. I want to pray. And then we will celebrate this wonderful, sacred activity. Lord, we, uh, we come to you now and we celebrate every life that comes into life with you and the family, the way we're at it. And so we celebrate her today. I pray you will be with us, be with her, and continue to lead us. Maybe be renewed in our own for those who are. Maybe be invited to join for those who have not yet. And may we sense your call to bring others and meet them in the depth of their struggle and find new life out of it. And even as Kristen has already said, God, that she has confessed with her mouth that you are Lord and she believes in her heart that you have lived and died and rose again, that we celebrate her new life in you, in your name. Amen. Let's worship together as we celebrate. When I look 
sing to him. It blesses the Lord when we take steps such as baptism, and it blesses the Lord when we talk to him, when we pray to him. And when we do this, he responds with joy and with action. So join me as we uh, go to our Father who gives all good gifts and praise and prayer. Father, thank you so much for loving us, for wanting to hear from us, for moving mountains when we call to you, Lord. Holy Spirit, we we invite you to fill this place with your presence to move in and through us. Lord, make us into the people and the new kind of family you've called us to be. Pray, Lord, for a special touch for anyone in this room or even who's watching online who is experiencing a need to see your power displayed in their health, in their relationships, and addictions, anything, Lord, that's represented, Father. I just pray that they would experience you in a new way today. And, um, and we just thank you so much for hearing these prayers. We not only pray for ourselves, but we lift up to you um, our brothers and sisters who are serving locally and around the world. Holy Spirit, fall fresh on Robinson Grace Church in Grand Haven. Fill them and go with them as they carry your power and love outside their walls and bring your kingdom to come in their community as it is in heaven. We also lift up to you Ben and Diana Vierink, who serve in Colombia as missionaries with Global Partners. Lord, that you would bless them to, with the wisdom to faithfully serve and lead, that you would bless them with more pastors and workers for their mission field, and continue to build your church to seek and save the lost. Thank you so much for your presence here today. Thank you for hearing our prayers, the ones that are spoken out loud and the ones that are whispered in the depths of our hearts. Thank you, Lord, that you love us so much that when we come, when we call on you, you come, and when we pray, you move. We love you and we give you all the praise and glory. In Jesus' powerful name, amen. So glad that you're here today. My name is Brandi Hafler and I'm the Community Life Coordinator here at All Shores. And I hope that I get to see you again on Wednesday when we will be having our Ash Ash Wednesday service at 6.30. Uh, This is always a meaningful time when we get to enter into the season of Lent together. Today is also the first uh, day of our spring semester of groups, and we have more than 30 groups for you to choose from to step into a new community. We will have a few group leaders in the lobby next to the connection point who are going to be able to help you find the group that's right for you. So thank you for being here. Um, Please turn your eyes to the screen for a video.
name is Michaela. I have been coming to All Shores for a couple years now. Um, I started here just kind of in need of a fresh start, and it has been incredible to see what has changed in my life since then. I'm Cassie. I've been coming to All Shores about five to six years, and at the time I was going through some pretty hard faith deconstruction, um, and I was just looking for a church to get lost in. Um, I heard some great things about All Shores. Hi, my name's Joanna. Um, I moved here about two years ago, uh, and I really only knew my sisters. Um, I did a little church hunting for a couple months, but just kept being drawn back to all shores. Um, anyone who knows me knows that I am highly introverted and content to stay at home. Sometimes I'll show up at events and stay in my car or drive away because I'm just too nervous to go inside on my own. Um, it was really great for this event. Uh, Lindsay met with me one-on-one -on -one and invited me to go to this women's group. Um, the Holy Spirit was really calling on my heart to find community here in Spring Lake and Grand Haven. And so it was just really nice to know somebody before going to the group for the first time. I just got out of a pretty toxic job situation um, and it was it just helped me to knowing that I had an incredible group of girls standing behind me that I could reach out to at any moment uh, to help me see myself through that. Um, they really helped me to see my worthiness in the Lord. Since joining this group, my joy has just multiplied. It has been so refreshing to spend time in the Word together and to hear the different perspectives that people are bringing when we study the Bible together. And it has just been a delight to be able to grow in community with these women. Um, I just appreciate, how, even outside of Bible study, the friendships that we have formed. Um, and that has been life-giving to me to, to know that I have a group of women that has my back. For me, one of my highs has really been the removal of loneliness. I used to feel like I was bugging people when I would text them or ask them to do things. And now I just have joy in sending out a message and knowing that somebody's going to want to hang out, whether it's that evening or the weekend. It's just really great to be in community. If you're in a group already and it's a good fit for you and you see someone that you think would benefit from a group like that, I think it's our responsibility as a community to reach out to them and to invite them into that because I know for myself, I wouldn't have joined this group if someone hadn't asked me to be in it. So I want to invite you to our Celebrate Marriage Night that's happening on Saturday night, February 17th. We'd love for you and your spouse to come and be a part of this annual event. It's one of the best things that we do here at All Shores from an event standpoint. We're going to have a lot of fun that night. Dave and Dina Horn will join us. They'll be our speakers. And then Matt Hanegraaff and Tony Baker will bring our entertainment and a great meal. It's just going to be a fun night. You can register at allshores.org backslash events. The cost per couple is $30, and again, we invite you to come and be a part of it. And we are back. If you're a guest with us today, we are so glad that you took time out of your weekend and morning to be with us. And we would love to put a gift in your hand just for being here with us. So grab that connection card from the back of the seat in front or behind you, fill that out during our service, and stop by the connection point after service to get that gift. And EJ, this is a time in our service where we give back to God. And so if you're a Call All Shores your home, we would love for you during this time to prepare to give, to give back to God for all the blessings He's given to us. And you can do that online, you can do that by giving at our giving boxes at both campuses, but we just want to invite you to participate together with us. Dad, that was a great time of worship that we just had this morning, and we're excited to see people entering the waters of baptism, sharing with others what a difference Jesus is making in their lives. And you know, we're well aware that things can sometimes go wrong during that time of worship. And we want to break down some of the plays that our teams work hard on each and every week. Thad, can you walk us through some of the strategy behind this? Sure will. Hey, EJ, I wanted to share with you a breakdown of what takes place on Sunday morning in worship because the team that's up here at either campus, they're listening to the Holy Spirit and sometimes they have to call an audible but not everybody on the team can see what's happening. So there has to be some nonverbal cues so people know what's going on. So I'll give you an example of something that goes really well. So here you have the worship team, but the drummer is in the far corner, can't see what's happening on stage. But the guitarist, the guitarist here needs to take his guitar and turn. 
If he turns and faces the drummer, who's way over here in the corner, then he knows that it's time to bring things down. And I'll, get, I'll show you how this works. So if you watch, here's a guitarist. He does a small turn. And then he takes one large turn. And when he does that, watch what happens to the, for the drummer. He's playing. He sees the cue and he brings it down. That's exactly how it's supposed to work. There are other nonverbal cues that take place too. You have the worship singers who are keeping an eye on what's happening with the host. And their job is to let the host know when to come up onto the platform. And so you have the singer here who's, who's singing but does something that's not expected. She takes a step back. And when she does that, the host is thinking it's time to come up on the platform, but it's not. The worship song is not over. And you can see how that breakdown takes place. The host comes up, not sure, oh, and it's a false start with our host. So those are some great examples of what the nonverbal cues are on Sunday morning. Back to you, EJ. Excellent work, Thad. Thanks for breaking that down for us. And great job and thank you to all of our volunteers in worship this morning. Now we're ready to turn things to Pastor Pete as he brings us this morning's message. <laughs> I want to welcome those joining us online, all of you here in Spring Lake, and I'm ashamed of uh, what we do and how we do it, but I love it. That was so funny. Uh, I want to invite you before we open the scriptures and really engage uh, in maybe hopefully a, a unique way, I guess, given the fact that it is the Super Bowl. Uh, I want to invite you to pray that God would speak to you, that we believe it's about revelation, not information, or persuasion, that ultimately God, we're just trying to create space for God to speak and not get in the way of that. So you pray in the quiet, and then I'll pray for us together. Lord, I thank you that you reveal yourself to us, that you want us to know you, and you want us to be yours. And so... I'm praying anything I have to say that's not from you, it will fall to the ground. It will be forgotten. But I'm also asking, Lord, that anything that's from you, that's of you, you'd whisper, you'd speak, you'd lead. Lord, I join with the psalmist praying that the words I speak and the way we respond in our hearts and actions would please you, our rock and our redeemer. And everybody said, amen. amen. It is true. That's what we're saying. Well, we know it's Super Bowl Sunday. We got to work around because you can't write it that way. So we have Super Bowl Sunday. And, and clearly, in case you don't know, we actually will have different soups and chili in the lobby following, for following our service. So we have some time to partake as a part of this great day. Now, I don't know our rate of fans here of different teams. I've seen different things people have worn in different genres and different ideas, which we all bring, and it's great. I am a lifelong Lions fan, and that bears with it all sorts of unique things. I remember particularly the year they were 0-16, and I still wore my lion stuff. I remember being on a family vacation in December down in Florida and wearing it, and someone came up to me and said, either you are a very, very loyal fan or there's something very wrong with you. <laughs> and I said, take those two and put them together, and you've got me, because that's true. So, you know, I don't know how many of you are aware. Football itself, the, the NFL, is such a high level of, of basically economic... Uh, impact that uh, it, the Forbes did a, a survey a while ago, and of the 211 countries they do, football itself would show, would show up as a, as a national product uh, at 71st. In other words, it, it's bigger than most countries of what it does. So for good or bad, whether you like it or not, it's a pretty significant event in what goes on for lots of reasons. Now, I'm not trying to make the case for that or saying that you should like it. It's been a burden for me, so I'm not really all that hot on it. But I want it, for those of you who grew up watching football, I do want you to go back and go, what's, who's the first quarterback of the team that you followed? Can you remember who that was? Like, just think in your mind who that was. So for me, as a Lions fan, the first quarterback I remember is Greg Landry. And some of you would remember that because you are old like me or older than me. Most of us probably can't remember when they actually won the championship because it was pre-Super Bowl, and I don't have any recollection of that. It was interesting, a couple years ago, I decided to watch a game back. They, you know, they have old games on YouTube, and there was a game of the Lions playing the Cardinals, and it was so weird to watch because Lander is a quarterback. It, was like, it felt like I was watching uh, backyard football. Like, the, the level it was so different, 
Uh, and not, it wasn't just because it was a lion's. I mean, it was just different. It was funny to watch. Uh, and I don't know, again, for you different times growing up, what was weird is I started trying to think of the other quarterbacks Detroit's had over the years. Can I remember them? I'm like, there are so many because they had so many changes. It was very hard. And I went through and at least highlighted the ones that I could recall. And I actually missed one that I meant to get. But these are the ones that would be most known. So if you grew up anytime watching Lions, you might find, oh, this is when I remember. This is my, when my memory starts. But think about how many they've had. So you go back and this is uh, Gary Danielson. Let me go to Eric Hipple. Chuck Long, who's not very long at all. He's Chuck Short. Rodney Pete. Uh, then we go on. Um, this is Scott Mitchell. Or no, that's Charlie Batch. I miss Scott Mitchell. That's who I miss. Joey Harrington. And then Matt Stafford, most of us would know, as we rooted for the, the Rams when we were hopeless. And then, you know, right now it's golf, isn't it? That we finally have one. And we, we actually have had a year that's like, we, it's been pretty fun. Is it true? Yeah, it has been fun. I'm with you. It's been a great year. Now, I am curious. I, I don't care about who's playing today. I really don't. I'm, I'm disappointed completely. And usually I have somebody. So I'm just going to ask, kind of show of hands here in the room. And if you're online, you can do it too. I'm not asking who you're picking because you have to pick somebody. If you actually are like, I'm a Chiefs fan. I'll be rooting for them. Go ahead and just raise your hand. Okay. Wow. <laughs> Shunned already. Nicely done. I was trying to show you that we love most people, but not all. Uh, if you're a 49ers fan, raise that. Okay. Oh, the woos got higher there. We got different registers. It's very interesting. So they did a national survey to find out who people are rooting for. And this is what they found. Um, very simply, that people in Kansas City in both, you know, Kansas City is right on the border, so both states are rooting for them. Only half the state is rooting for San Francisco. And the final one is everybody's rooting both teams will lose. Did you know that? Yeah. And I have to agree completely. That is a very Christ-like pathway of seeing this, I think. It's... It's just hard to root for either of them. Are you with me? It is. I'm a bitter fan. That's what we're going to talk today is bitter. No, we're not going to talk about that. I'm just kidding. So what I do want to do today is I want us to actually look a little bit at the lion story this year because I want to say it this way, not because, oh, there's finally something to say, although there is. It's been interesting for me uh, to watch some things be, be happening in the life of a team you follow that actually seemed to give us some image of what the church is supposed to be like. And so I've been very intrigued watching it. In case you don't know, uh, it's, it's Sheila Ford Hamp that has taken over the ownership. She's part of the Ford family, uh, but she took it over in 2020. And one of the things that was fascinating, because they've been telling the story over the last few years, and maybe even some of you have seen it, like HBO Max had Hard Knocks, The Lion Story, last year. It's been fun to watch. Something's different. It's not, I don't know how you are. But almost everything we know as Lions fans are stories of negativity. If there's a rule that they had to change because it went poorly, the Lions started that rule. If there's a great thing that happened in the losing team of that, the Lions were that team. We had Jason Hansen here in 2015 after he'd retired, and he said, I hold most of the records that no one wants to hold in the NFL because he'd been on the most, had the most losing games, the most this and that, because he'd been in there 21 years. You're like, oh, I'm just sorry, dude. He had a lot of good things to share, too. But what, I, what, I, what really took me was as they interviewed her, and their first hire was Chris Spielman right after she took over, and she said, we needed to change the culture. We knew we were not right. Something was wrong inside of us. And so it was really interesting to watch kind of what they saw as they needed to do and what it might even mean for us and how they created it. Because I think there's an image here for us that we should take further but at least learn from. Like, it's, it's sad. It's both inspiring and sad to me in that I'm finding more inspiration sometimes in how a football team's functioning than sometimes what we see in our leaders, in our city and nation and region, in our own churches and how we tend to also push people away and how we live. Like, I don't like it, but I'm still taken by it. So this is what, what she said, basically, was that they had to change culture, that their culture was wrong and they needed that, that to be a change. In other words, how we think and act and how we are with each other. So the first thing they did was they had to face the reality. We, something's wrong in our culture. Now, we're going to come back to this in the church, but I want to just start here because something we, we talk about it some, but I want to be very direct about it today, is that we are, like the football teams can be, we are all independent kind of contractors. We look at our life from our perspective, and what will the things around us benefit us? And we don't necessarily, in the life of the church universal, have much of a culture of us. We have a culture of me. And that's what they had to face was, listen, we have a culture of me and a culture of doing it for myself, and it's not working together. So the first thing they had to work on was just getting them to bond and work together. Like, we have to actually create a sense of community and togetherness 
But then the second thing, and these are the two things I just want to look at today, was learning to work for others and for something greater than themselves. So it's a very different thing than I'm just working together with you for our mutual benefit to. I'm actually working for you to benefit. And even more than that, I see something bigger. I don't know how many of you watched this, but when Detroit did lose, and even when they were winning, they were about the city. Like they would say, we're doing this for the fans. We're doing this for the real ones that have been here all along. And, and even, I love this, even Dan Campbell, he tells people, listen, if you're part of us, stay with us. If you want to jump on now, don't even bother. And it was harsh, but part of what he was saying was, don't jump on because you only want to be with winners. You're either with us or you're not. And there's something about understanding it's bigger than us and you're with us through the good, the bad, and all of it. That was very calling. And, and I've been very impressed with how they continue to talk about what the city deserves and the city needs, not just about themselves. Those are the simple things that I thought, let's, let's say we can agree these are big things. And let's make no mistake, as I said before, I don't think this is how most of us operate in our life in general and can even be this way in the church. So let me give you an example. Jim Collins, who's a, considered a management and leadership expert, writes on it, researches it, does all sorts of things. In his book, Good to Great, where he's looking specifically at how organizations become greater, he talks about the, the single most significant problem can become in the very leadership part or the people that lead it, that what they do infuses something bad is a way to say it. And that's actually what the Lions were saying too is until our leaders change and we change the culture and live like we're supposed to, the team won't. This is how Collins defines it. And I think it's a good place for us to start and then look scripturally. He says this about damaging leaders. He says, self-serving leaders, which is what we can all be, can't we? Let's be honest. We might look at people as helping us as long as it moves us ahead. Self-serving leaders who use our institutions, whether in the corporate or social sectors, and we could add whether in the nonprofit or church sections, to advance their own interests is dangerous to our future. It's simply a reminder that when you and I are about us, it's not healthy. It's damaging. And I want to say this because in Paul's writing, and particularly, we're going to look at a, just a section in his letter to the church in Philippi, he speaks into this of what happens when we're not about something bigger and we're not about us together. And then he gives an invitation, kind of a vision for what this can be. Now, I want to just share it with you that way and have us think about the church. And like I said, I, I don't want it to be that we're trying to be a football team because we're not. But I do want to remind us that if we're looking to football teams because they're living culture better than we are in our own environments, our communities, our businesses, our government, it means we're missing something and the church should be something that people look to, shouldn't it? Like there's something more in us. So let me start with Paul's words and begin here for us. And let me, just, let me just say it this way as I get into this, because this will be a piece for me, that, that you cannot look at your faith with Jesus as you alone. It's me and Jesus, that's all it is. If we don't see our life individually in the context of the community of who God's made us to be, we cannot actually be or see what he intended for us. Because we're part of a greater movement God's doing in his people, not in just us, and we're part of this movement not for us. And listen how Paul describes it. He says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete, be like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Now, I, I want us more to just hear what he's saying and maybe take it in. He's speaking of how you get courage. You want to know how you get courage? You get courage in the fact that you and I, you and I together are actually part of God's family. It, we're the king's family. And he's saying, you want to get courage? You get courage from knowing not you alone, but us together are his. Like that's where your courage grows. Not just in you, but in us. It's a beautiful sense of how it grows. And then he says, you're united with Christ. It's all in him. It's not in your own power. It's in him. If you want to know the comfort from his love, and this is a piece I don't think we think about, but if you want to know if you're growing in that love, if that love is expanding, which is God's intention, it will expand in how you love others. That begins with the very family we're a part of to be his church. It expands to the people outside of us. And he's saying something about this, this beautiful love grows as we see us, not me. It's others I'm connecting to. It's others that I'm part of this. And then he speaks of the common sharing in the spirit. 
We believe, we tell this regularly, the Spirit lives in me, lives in you. Anyone who follows Jesus, we receive the Spirit. What we don't realize is the Spirit in you, I need for the Spirit in me to be moving and growing. The Spirit in me, you, you need it. We go around and go, it's the Spirit in all of us that builds all of us up together. It's not, I go by myself and just do this alone, and then it kind of works out. And we do. No, no, the whole thing of, I'm alone, but I'm also with you. And this commonness of the Spirit means I actually need the Spirit's movement in your life to be changed, and you need the Spirit's movement in my life. If I just move it off to the side with just me and Jesus, I miss out on actually the very intention of it and much of how God wants to move. It's going to be beautiful if we have common sharing. And by the way, you want to know if it's growing? It's when your tenderness and compassion are growing. If you're becoming more hardened and more angry and more divisive and more moving away, something in your heart is not right. And we tend to think it's other people causing the hardness and the crud. Like Paul is giving both an encouragement and an admonition here saying, listen, if you want to be all that God intended you in this new kind of family, it will happen out of the work he's doing. Now, I want to be clear. He's inviting us very simply to live in a new way. He's inviting us very simply to do something that not, not, can't be done. I, I want to be clear, though. You realize you can have unity and not be in a good direction. So we have horrible examples. We might say Germany and the Nazi Germany contingent, that became unified in a very destructive way. And that's easy to point to. We're not all part of that. But let me tell you, the church has done this. If you look over our history, even things like the Crusades, oftentimes when we went and said, we will militaristically make you be ours or we will kill you, you, you get that's not loving, right? Just trying to make sure we understand that. Now, we don't do that today with our, our arms and everything. We just do it with our words. But it's the same thing we miss, that this has to be centered in Jesus. And make no mistake, it can't be done if he's not helping us. Can we just agree? I'm not naturally this way. Now he continues. And it's a beautiful vision for us. In fact, I would tell you, this is actually a life passage for me because I struggle so much with pride. It's one I've had to stay in. And he gets it right here. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. <laughs> this is what I mean about you can't just be you and Jesus alone. Because that's your own interest. If you have no place to actually be focused and fixed on other people, the gospel of Jesus generates and sustains inner lives that look out for each other and look to love others, not themselves only, and not themselves above everyone. I mean, think of in our culture how much we embrace ambition and drive. And, and you'll say, well, not all of it's bad. If it's for yourself, it's bad. See, that's the thing is we couch it as being for others, but often the ambition and drive is so I am elevated. And what Paul's saying through what Jesus has done is, listen, this is about not looking out for yourself, but for others. It's an others-focused move. It's a dreaming for others' lives over your own. It's longing for what benefits them. So let me just have you do this in the room, and if you're at home and not alone, just look at the person next to you. Go ahead, take a look. Okay. Looking good. Now look back at me. Simon says, just kidding. Here's the posture, very simply. The person next to you is the most important person in the room. That's a really easy way to say it. And if you want to take it further, it's the person on the other side of the room that you'd like not to look at right now. It's the person that you have disagreement about. It's the person that you somehow might think they're not as much as, that there's a whole different way of seeing that it's someone else in the room that's more important than me. They're my actual aim and help. How do I help them become who God meant them to be? How do I care about their interests? How do I look out for their life when we're so caught up in our own that Paul is inviting them to something that we can't do alone, but we can't live without? I mean, isn't that crazy? And, and I love the fact that we can't do it without Jesus. Because I don't know about you, but I need to be called to things I can't do. Because what I can do, it's really a low bar. And now he continues by actually framing this for how centered it is on Jesus. You know what? In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset of Christ. By the way, this is one of the calls of the church. You are to have the mind of Christ. You are to have the heart of Christ, the hands and feet of Christ. Have the mind of Christ, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, 
to his own advantage. And then he describes how Jesus lived. Rather, he made himself nothing. You know, I, I can't tell you why these are, it's an English translation, but those words, made himself nothing, are words that I think I've carried for the last 30 years knowing I battle with it. Because every part of me wants to make myself something. And I look at the God of the universe and go, he made himself nothing. He takes on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And by the way, these different descriptors of human doesn't mean it's somewhat like it. It means it's actually representative. It's the very nature of it. He was made human. Being found in appearance as a man, he was a man. It doesn't mean it's a kind of like thing. He humbled himself by being obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus lived in such a way to show his love and other-centeredness that God himself became man, limited his glory, came in humility and lowliness in order to bring a life none of us could on our own and pull us out of the mess we've created of the selfish, sinful way we live. That's what he's telling us. And then he gives the result of it. The result is, therefore God exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name that is above every name. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now I want you to get a picture of this. God's not just saying, and Paul's not saying just to the church, you need to live other-centered. He's saying it's for something bigger than us. It's not just being communal, it's being other-centered because that is the way of Jesus. And the way Jesus did it was he was so other-centered that he lived to the lowest point of suffering and death and servitude, and out of it, God exalted him. In other words, that's how God elevates and raises Jesus. Now, we get it wrong where we think, if I humble myself, then God will elevate me. And what it is is the very pathway of humility and other-centeredness elevates Jesus. That's who we're elevating, not us. It's not a means to an end. It's a way of life that brings life like we could never have being focused on ourselves. It's a crazy invitation. But here's the part to me is I do not want to be looking to my sports teams for the model of what the church should be. And I do, I'm so disheartened when I see leaders and even church leaders doing things that are so unchristlike, all doing to call out and shred others. And going, God's invitation is to live differently. And to live in a community, a new family, not in our isolated, I'm just me. So let me tell you, this is kind of what I would leave us with today. This is what I hope for, what I'm praying out of this. I'm praying we'd become people that are working together, that we're actually looking at who am I in the context of our community? Who am I as a part of this family, this thing we call the church? <laughs> and then I would say it's got to be centered on Jesus. And I, I say that as a confession. Because at least for me, most of the things I know that God has for me, I cannot get to on my own. I can try to behave my way towards them, but the heart change God has to do always for me comes through confession and a cry to actually change who I am and make me long for what he does. Have the very mind of Christ, the very heart of Christ for the people around me. We call it dreaming for others. How can I start dreaming for the lives of others and want what's best for them, whether it happens for me or not? that it happens for them. I'm fixed on Jesus. And then we're becoming a new family in him. You see, I believe this will change the world. I don't believe it'll come through a big event or a big thing that happens. It's funny, we will all watch the Super Bowl and more people will talk about it for a few weeks. And then most likely we'll forget. And most of us, we, we wear lots of jerseys, don't we? We wear lots of things we're for. I do too, and I love wearing them. I don't just wear the Lions, I wear other ones. But I'll tell you this, you know, I have underneath that something that matters to me more. My mic came on better last time, but I'll just tell you this. And, and I don't mean it as, so there are lots of local churches and we go, we want everyone to have this model. But I'll tell you this, while I cheer in other churches, this is my church family. I'm part of this family. This is your church family. This is the core family God gives us to be his people are us together. I'm like, that's who we're created to be. That, that will change the world. That will change the world on Monday morning when you live in love in a way no one else sees, but you're for someone else in how you do it. That changes how we live in such a way that others are drawn to it. And I see it growing here. I've watched people in really difficult spaces, really struggling with some long-term things and short-term things, and others come around them because we go, I care about what's going on in your life. 
And when someone among us, life's going well for her, we cheer that on. And we cheer it on whether it happens for us or not. That's the invitation to live differently. So let me say it to you this way as a very simple, what might you do in this next season? And the first thing very, very easily is, could you start looking at others as the most important person around you? Could you start looking and going, God, help me each day to see the people around me more important than myself? So let me tell you one more sports story. And I'm a Michigan fan too, and I realize that's a little more like, ooh, or yay, or it goes back and forth. You know, you're all, you're a cheater. No, you nah. I don't even care. It's a whole nother message for another time. Uh, but I, I was really taken, and, and I'm not, again, this, I'm not saying this person is the best, but so Donovan Edwards, who'd been, had some pretty significant stuff last year as a running back, this year did not have quite the year, and he was expected to. And all the interviews at the year end were like, You're, what's it like to not be as important as you thought you would be? I mean, it's, it's kind of a hard thing to get asked. And I was really taken because one thing he said was, I, I needed somebody to help me, like he talked about his own counselor, helping me kind of identify those things I'm struggling with. But at the end of the day, he kept communicating. It's about the team, whether I do well or not. Now, I can't say he's always living it or all that, but I can say what he said in that moment. Man, that's what I should be like as a Christian. That it's not about whether I even get things to move ahead. It's about, does God get exalted? And whoever gets to do that, that's what I want. Whether it's me or not, that's what I want. And that's a really hard thing to do in our world, isn't it? Because we all want to be elevated. We all think, well, I want God elevated, but could I be there too if I'm not? That's a whole new way of thinking of saying, actually, the grid of whether I'm elevated or brought low is not really matter. And the only way that happens is when we really see Jesus as he is and know his love, and when we really start to see others the way he does, because we want him to do whatever he's going to do to elevate others, not just us. And whether we get or not, I want to start seeing others as the most important in the person in the room. I'll take you to the second thing, which I've said up multiple times. We have got to become dependent on the Spirit. I get so sad when I hear people just trying harder and trying harder and trying harder. I'm like, if you don't know how to say to God, I don't know how to try harder and I need your help. And then please lead me in what I'm supposed to do and steps I can take. But change my heart, we've got to be there, increasingly. We will never be the church and the family God intends if we think we do it in our own strength. I'm just going to grit and try a little harder. I'm going to grit and depend more is what I'm going to do. And then I'll lead you to the simple thing in this season, which is we, we start groups today. And it's a time when if you haven't been in community, we want to invite you into it, or if you are, to continue on. And, and let me say it this way, because this isn't a, I'm twisting your arm to join one today, but here's the challenge to you. Some of us, we go, I'm just too busy right now. But right now, it goes from a month to a season, to a year, to year after year after year. And there's always a reason you don't need to be a part of a community. But we will never be what God intends as long as we keep stepping back and going, I got to keep my life where it is. To become the community will cost you something. But to not do it costs you everything. So, so I'm not saying this is I'm twisting your arm, you got to do it. It's between you and God, but I'm challenging you. If you keep saying it's just a season, it's just a week, it's just a month, you are missing. And that will become a way of life. And I'm old enough now I can say it. I've been here 25 years. I've watched and listened to the messages. I've given them myself. I'm like, sorry, I'll give you a season. I'll even give you some time, but be careful. It becomes our way of life. And that's the thing. We want what, what God can bring. We like what we see in a team. But the way it comes is through actually living differently. The way it comes is actually being part and moving into a community together, actually engaging with other people in some manner. I, I am convinced it will not be some big event that happens that changes the world. The church does something and all this huge reaction. I'm convinced it will be in our day-to-day -day lives of actually learning to love each other, being centered on others and ourselves, and starting to live that way and love people outside of us. Because what would you want to give the people around you that you care about that don't have Jesus? Well, when you discover that kind of faith, you want them to have it. You, you long for it. I long for my friends and my family that don't know Jesus because I don't know of anything better to give them than this. And when I hear their struggles, I'm like, I know God could help that, but you can't be alone in this. So I want to pray for us. I told you at the beginning, I want the Spirit to lead you. Like I said, if it's not the Spirit and it falls to the ground, that's fine. But I am going to keep praying that God will move in a way that we become people 
who literally start to live and love for each other and take on the very mind and heart of Jesus to become servants. Let me pray. Lord, I thank you that you've made us not only to be yours, but to be yours together. I pray you will help us to look at the people around us in ways we go, they are the most important person in the room. That we begin to live having your mind and your heart for other people's needs and advance and work. Lord, I pray you will bond us together in a way that's not superficial, that's not pretend, but that also is dynamic and powerful, even in the mess, that we somehow grow deeper in you and in each other. And Lord, we will live and love differently, and it will be through that sacrifice will be what glorifies you. So whatever our part's to be, God, great or small, let us embrace it. And whatever we get to be part of, Lord, helping others embrace theirs, may that be so. I pray this in your name. Amen. We always try to give space after we open the text where we worship and we receive communion. So let me have you stand. In a sense, worship is asking the Spirit to awaken us to see Jesus as the Spirit does and to worship God that way. And then communion is the way we receive the very blessing and grace of Jesus. So let's respond in worship together. communion, the Eucharist, the Lord's Supper, depending on the tradition you grew up with, you may have heard of any of those words. We, when you came in, hopefully you received a cup. We don't have any stipulations of membership here. We invite you if you're pursuing Jesus. We don't want you to feel obligated if you go, that's not where I am. And our last and least desirable since some routine we do. I'll let you know that the cup is twofold. So you open it up and there should be bread at the top and then the, the drink is underneath that. There's two different layers to that when we celebrate in just a minute. And, and let me say, it's a centering activity. It's a sacrament because it's the place we're reminded every time we come together that it's what Jesus has done for us that we receive and we receive it freshly over and over again that we continue to ask for his grace and his help. We don't just remember it as a past event. We live in it and recall it in the present. On the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, he broke it, he gave thanks. He said, this is my body and it is given for you. I love how the, John described it, that greater love has no one than to lay down their life for their friends. And Jesus lays it down when he, we're still enemies. That's love. Let's receive. And in the same way, he took the cup. So it's a new covenant in my blood for the forgiveness of sins. 
and we partake of that together, his forgiveness and his life, not alone as the bread also is meant to be one loaf we take together where we're all of infinite value but out of love. Let's receive. So Lord, I'm asking for a fresh expression of your grace upon each of us today, whether felt or not, that you would pour out your love and you would empower us to live in love differently from it as we receive you. Let me invite you to stand as we worship together now. give you a blessing, we want to hear from our hosts again. So let me have you take a seat just for a couple minutes and hear from them, and then I'll be back to bless us. What a great morning this has been so far. We're so glad that you joined us today, and you got to experience many of the different teams that are involved at All Shores, but one of the teams you might not be aware of is our Shore Kids Volunteers. Yeah, Beth, they had their hands full this morning. Our team has to be background checked and they're trained and equipped to handle just about anything in Shore Kids. Thanks to our teammates this morning in Shore Kids. And if you dropped off some children this morning, make sure you pick them up before you dive into our soup and chili after the service. Thanks again for joining us. We want to invite you to be back here in the coming weeks. We're getting ready to enter into a series that'll lead us right up till Easter, and you don't want to miss out on it. We have enjoyed the time together, and now we'll turn things back live to you at your campus. So you got the message, right? Go get your kids before you have chili and soup, because we have some great food out there. And uh, by the way, it is a great chance to just be together. We give space for that, to be in community, and even pray, God, who can I see that's important like everyone is around you. Imagine if you should go, each one of these people I see, man, they're the apple of God's eye and I want to be about their life. I want to tell you this before we uh, give you a blessing and you get to chow out there too. Um, Wednesday is Ash, Ash Wednesday. It's a tradition in the church that we enter what's called the season of Lent and the series will go along with us all the way up to Easter. It, it really simply is it's a journey inward. You're kind of self, it's a time of self-examination and asking God to meet us inside of us. And so we always encourage, whether you're new to us, whether you've been here for years, anywhere in between, we'd love to have you join us at 6.30 here on Wednesday. It's meant for everybody, not for the few that go, I love liturgy, I love this. We think it's a meaningful time. And then we'll enter into this new season, too, that we are praying God would help us discover what he has inside of us. And as he grows us, that we can love each other better. Let me have you stand, and I'll give you a blessing. You can put your arms out, and uh, 
then you can go have soup and chili. It's all good. I sampled it for you to make sure it wasn't poisonous last service. Now may the God and Father of our Lord Jesus continually fill you with the Spirit. Oh, may you depend on him and may he begin to give you his heart for those around you, to love them differently and live for their benefit and for his glory. And may it bring joy to you along the way. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.